Welcome to the Let's Get Disruptive podcast. My name is Sean McCleary. I'm excited to bring together some of the leading figures in the tech community to discuss some of the disruptions they've had across their careers. Whilst it's great to talk about successes, and there will be plenty of achievements discussed on these podcasts, I'm a big believer that some of our best learnings come from adapting and overcoming challenges. So we'll be exploring our guests' personal challenges, discussing things they've had to come, overcome from a business perspective, and also covering the many challenges around recruiting and retaining the best people. Our objective is to provoke, provoke thought around topical industry challenges and empower listeners with the insight and wisdom from people who've been there, done it, and in fact are still doing it with some of the most disruptive organisations out there. I'm excited to introduce our latest guest to the Let's Get Disruptive podcast, Toby Willman. Hey Sean, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm good, thank you mate. Head of Talent and Community Infinity Works Manchester. Toby is a very well-respected member of the tech community in Manchester, founder of one of the most popular tech events, the DevOps Battle Royale, and more recently I've noticed you've started a blog. Yes, I have, <laughs> I have mate. Yeah, it was a... Uh, uh, a journey of mine that I've been looking to do for a while, actually. It was uh, quite a liberating experience. Brilliant. Well, we'll come on to that later. Uh, look, I, I looked at your career across sales, recruitment, and more recently in a wider ranging commercial role within Infinity Works. Um, and it's great to hear, that, you know, such a success story. And I'm generally excited to have you here today, mate. Good. Excited um, to be here. One of the things I do love most about you though, Toby, is your belief in positivity and the impact it can have both in and out of work. So... I noted that you aim to surround yourself always with good people, mm -hmm. um, smile as much as you can, cry when you need to cry and laugh out loud. And I personally believe today we've surrounded ourselves with one of the best people out there for this podcast, but no crying today, please. Yeah. <laughs> I'll try not to, I can't <laughs> promise anything. <laughs> so Toby, Head of Talent and Community, what a title. Can you start by telling us a bit more about what that role involves, please? Yeah, sure. So um, I joined um, Infinity Works um, after a, a you know, three and a half or four year bout in, in recruitment on the agency side of things. Um, the opportunity came along to join a business, which I truly believed in, um, help them grow their Manchester office, which has only been going two years. You know, there were 17 people um, last year and now we're getting close to 60. Um, it was the right time for them to bring on someone to take full responsibility on bringing in new talent, also someone to represent the brand in the best way possible. Yeah. Um, community is something that I've adapted to over the past two and a half, three years. Yeah. So they're huge on it as well. I mean, their, their presence in Manchester has grown through the power of speaking at events and, and attending events and putting on events. So it sort of seemed that when we had the chat and, and there was a sort of conversation happening that, look, we want someone to control the talent here. We want someone to represent our brand as best as possible, but we also want to grow more in the community. Yeah. And, and that's sort of the passions that I had. And it's a company I truly believed in. Like yeah. I really, really believe in this company as potential to be one of the best, if not the best consultancy in the UK really? and further afield, like on down the line but yeah to have the opportunity to, to, to join a company like that was just uh, a, a bit of a dream come true for me really fantastic a lot of community is something i'd i'd really like to pick up on if that's okay yeah you know, look, what one of the key objectives of this podcast is to engage with the tech community in particular you know we want to share knowledge we want to discuss real life challenges so that people can get valuable insight how important do you feel that the sharing of knowledge is in the community 
Massive, massive. Um, you know, we don't get anywhere by sitting on ourselves and, and trying to learn by ourselves. You know, you, there's only certain, certain amount of stuff you can read or or go online and, and teach yourself. That, you know, people can progress um, in that way. That that's, that's that's completely up to them. But if you want to progress in different diverse areas and and learn new skills, you need to feed off other people's experiences. Um, the best way to do that is to sit with someone, talk to them, chat to them ask them stories. I mean, my, my, my dad and my, my granddad and that are quite successful in the design world. And they always said there's nothing more powerful than a good story. Yeah. And that's really how you start to learn and, 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 and sort of feed off people around you. And if you can share stories, they share stories also. And before you know it, you've got all this sort of wealth of knowledge at your, at, at, at your feet. You just need to sort of get into it really. hundred percent. And you know, hopefully there'll be some good stories that come out today. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, you're a Northern boy. Well, I, I am. think you're gossip, if we can call it, you know, yeah. the north. Grey area. <laughs> <laughs> but I did check it. It's 24 miles from Manchester, so that will do for me. Yeah. And, and look, obviously... Running you, distance. Yeah. <laughs> you've been someone who's worked in the city for pretty much all of your career. Yeah. So, you know, I think you're definitely qualified to comment on what Manchester, which is now being really known as the home of innovative technology. Um, what are the key trends you've seen in the Manchester community or wider tech, tech scene so far? Yeah, I think one of the big things to play on Manchester, which I've seen at an, uh, an event actually, was Manchester's gone in a full circle. So it was the Cottonopolis. Yeah. It was the industry for, for, for obviously the big massive cotton trade in Manchester back in the day. And yeah. what's happened now is it's it's swinging around and it's some of the bigger companies in Manchester, your boohoos, your pretty little things, your misguided, yeah. all obviously clothing companies again. But e-commerce, right. I think having that e-commerce presence in Manchester is a yeah. big swing around. It's not no longer Cottonopolis, but yeah. we're still producing, you know, big shopping platforms. And then obviously following that, you've got the BBC. Yeah. Um, you've got all these consultancies that are coming up like ourselves and, yeah. and, and, and a few others out there. And, and some of the really interesting companies moving from different areas. These companies coming from America and setting yeah, up yeah. base here. Companies moving from London, setting up base here. And it's just a buzzing place to be at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Hence the just to be always buzzing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, love it. Love it. Something I'm passionate about myself. We're talking today about different challenges. So, you know, um, I expect over the podcast that I'll be business, technology, people. Um, but I'd, I'd like to start getting personal if yeah. that's okay. Um, look, starting with your background, one of the really interesting parts of me is your journey into tech. It's probably fair to say it hasn't been a traditional route. Um, you know, you, you spent your early years abroad up until the age of 24, I believe. Yeah. So tell us more about the young Toby Willman. Wild. Yeah. Um, I, uh, yeah, I think I was a bit of a, um, a force of nature when I was younger. Um, I was never good at education. I got expelled from school. Um, I got into another school. I did poorly in that school, managed to come out with some sort of GCSEs. Um, college just wasn't for me. So I got kicked on a plane and got told to go travel for a bit. And then I did seven seasons, in uh, two in Austria, one in Marbella, four in Magaluf. Um, and in between time I travelled, so it's five years in total. Um, I burnt out at the end of it, but I came back <laughs> a different person. Okay, a shell of a man. <laughs> I came back a shell of a man. But yeah, it, it wasn't traditional path into, into tech um, or, or into actual sales where I went into the time where I landed first. Yeah. Um, you know, but I think what I could bring was a lot of, um, I had to take on a lot of responsibility when yeah. you live in a different country, you have to grow up. Yeah. Um, there's certain times where you can't call upon sort of parents <laughs> yeah, or yeah. friends cause they're not can't down take the road. The home. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and, and, and you know what? I mean, I, I remember the first time I went for my first season, I had, I had a girlfriend at the time 
and my dad and mum said, you've got to go, you've got to go. And I, I, I cried through Manchester airport. I was like holding on to the thing. I'm not going, I'm not going. I was there for about three days and I was like, oh, I'm so glad I yeah, came. Yeah. And from there, the whirlwind just started. So yeah, I mean, it, it was an absolutely unbelievable time. And for anyone who is thinking about traveling or working abroad or anything like that, I can just say, go for it. Yeah. Because yeah. you'll never regret it. Yeah. Brilliant. Force of nature. I love that. Yeah. So what, what, what challenges did that throw up for you living abroad that you've kind of learned from and brought into to later life? Yeah, I think, well, social aspects, I think is huge. You know, yeah. you, you land somewhere and you don't know anyone. Yeah. Um, the first place I went to, I mean, the first actual real season I did was in Austria. Right. Um, I flew to Geneva, got um, a um, train to St. Anton. My dad had met a guy at a wedding. And they just met each other drunk. And I think this guy had offered for, uh, oh, if, you, if your son wants to come out, he can come out. And then I don't think he expected me to come out a few months later. So Brilliant. I came out and he was sort of busy with his stuff. So he sort of pointed me in the right direction. He said, look, I found a hotel for you there. And that was it. Yeah. So I had nothing but my snowboard, my bag, and enough money to stay there for two weeks. And I had to just go out and knock on people's doors, go in bars, try and get a job. You know, stuff like that is uh, really stepping outside your comfort zone yeah, when yeah. you're 20 years old. Yeah. You know, there was times I was sat in that hotel room thinking, I can't get this job, I can't yeah. do it, I'm going to have to go home. Yeah. Um, so breaking down social barriers and actually going to the bar, just bumping into someone, yeah. having a chat, yeah. you know, building that network around that small sort of ski resort was a huge thing for me. And by the end of it, by the time I got a job, I landed really, really lucky. I got his job with this amazing kitchen. I was a kitchen porter. I was peeling potatoes, chopping yeah. onions and washing pots, <laughs> gutting fish. It was the worst, the worst. I, I was, I emptied the bins, Yeah, but it was, uh, it was like, they don't have Michelin stars in Austria, but it was right. the equivalent of a two Michelin star restaurant. Wow. Okay. So we had this unbelievable experience Like the, the house we were in was amazing. Yeah. You know, we were eating Michelin star food every day. Amazing. We were getting paid a good whack. Yeah. We had free ski pass. We were snowboarding every day. We were partying every night. Yeah. It was like an unbelievable experience, Brilliant. but it was really stepping outside your comfort zone to get to know people. Cause yeah. I don't think if I would have done that, yeah. I would have come home. I would have missed all that experience. And look, you've, you've taken from knowing you, I think you've taken that attitude into building relationships now in the tech community in your role. So, yeah. so it's great to see that grounding. Okay. I mean, look, everyone will probably want to know a funny story from that time. So what can you tell us that's podcast appropriate for your, uh, for your adventures abroad? Oh, I've, got, <laughs> I've got, I've got so many. I mean, I've got so, probably what a more PC one, um, would be me on my birthday. I went out to Magaluf. Um, I went out in, um, early April. It's my birthday on the 14th of April. Yeah. Plug for his birthday there. I like that. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> and um, I got um, I got dressed up um, as Santa Claus um, and went out on a full night out with everyone. And, and it's this time of year, start of the season, so it's just workers. And we were at it all day, all night, and it was a really heavy one. Anyway, the, any, everyone lost me, and, and I, I'd lost myself. We are, everyone lost me. Where where is he? And the lads were walking back to our apartment, which is up the top of a really steep hill, torrent over hill, heart attack hill. They called it. And halfway up the hill, they see a pair of. Um, shoes hanging out from underneath the car and they dragged me out by my ankles and there's Santa Claus I was fast asleep underneath the car I was covered in ants and they were like right we need to get you home mate yeah. amazing so that's amazing. probably a funny one yeah. I love it okay look so you, you know fast forward you've, you've kind of done your time abroad you're coming back to the UK with a bit of a point to prove I think it's fair to say because you know you're five years behind probably your peer group have started careers and are already down that career path um you threw yourself into sales yeah. initially progressing through the sales rank eventually into a team management role before then transferring into a recruitment position 
Yeah. Talk me through that journey, Toby. Would, would you say that was a kind of smooth transition for you? Um, not really. I think coming back from um, traveling um, and getting into a role, I remember the first role I actually got, because I came back at around um, October time and I ended up, I got a night shift at Tesco's and I was stacking shelves and it was the year that song came out, The Power of Love. <laughs> I remember stacking the shelves on the night shift and I ended up crying and I ran out. <laughs> yeah, I actually ran out. I ran back to someone I was like, I can't do this. And this is not the life for me. So anyway, everyone was like, what are you, what are you good at? What have you learned? What have you learned? And I learned how to talk to people. So yeah. sales seemed the best option. And uh, I actually wanted to get into recruitment yeah. I actually wanted to get into recruitment, but no one would take me on because my, well, the CV, what I had to put together, because I've been away for five years, yeah. was broken into all these seasons working abroad. Everyone was looking at it thinking, you're just saving up to go abroad again. Right. And I was trying to say, I'm not, but obviously, yeah, yeah. you know, if you look at the paper, you're thinking, yeah, all right then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I ended up taking a job in a call center, um, just doing selling business to business, gas yeah. and electric. Um, and yeah, I, I, you know, I had a really good time there. Yeah, yeah a really, really good time there. And I remember work. When, when people always moan about that sort of commutes and stuff, I, I was going from Glossop on a 45 minute train and then getting another half an hour train to Woodley and then walking a mile and a half to this call centre there and back every day. Commitment. For a very, very low, well, just minimum wage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, yeah I just had, to, what I wanted to do is get something for two years on my CV. Yeah. And then move from there. And that's what I did. Fair enough. What, what do you think skills wise then that you developed in either that role? You know, you obviously developed the right mindset from, from the sound of things, but then thinking about developing your skill base, particularly when you switched into recruitment, what did you learn that you've applied to, you, you know, your, your later life? In the first role, um, I mean, sales side of things was something that was new to me. I moved up the rank into um, senior um, sales advisor, which you take on a small group of people, usually yeah. newer people, so mentoring. Um, and then I got into sales manager, so I ended up managing a team of 40. Um, and then I got into the training. Yeah. So, you know, in that two years in that call center, as much as, you know, people might say, oh, you were, you were on minimum wage at not the best place, but I learned a lot. Yeah. Um, so when it came to coming into recruitment, first time I met yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Interviewed at a few different places. Um, I got ended up, you know, taking a role with, with, with a company, which I really enjoyed working at. Um, and, and there's so much that I learned from traveling and the first job that I could take into recruitment because it's about hard work. Yeah. It's about really knuckling down. It's about, you know, you don't have to be the first in and the last out. You don't yeah. have to be that. You just have to be smart and clever about how you do it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, there's a lot I learned, but then there was a lot I didn't know. Yeah. Recruitment was a, a big shock. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hard yeah. life. Yeah. We'll come on to that. Yeah. I just want to pick up on that point. It's my time to put you on the spot because you've been quite modest there. You actually yeah. turned me down. Yes. You did. I offered you a job and you turned me down. Yeah. I remember it. Toby Wilman coming in in his very flamboyant suit that he used to <laughs> like joker. to wear. The joker suit. Yeah. The joker suit. Selling me the dream. I thought, this guy's bought into yeah. what I'm offering here. All of a sudden, he's taken off elsewhere. So thanks for that, mate. No You've done all right. You've done all right. We're without here now. Me. We're here now. <laughs> no, but no, joking yeah. aside, I think look, the thing that does highlight that I want to pick out is that, you know, even in recruitment, but certainly when we look at tech, candidates have so many different opportunities and so many different offers and, and different options. In your experience, what have you seen businesses do to really stand out when they're engaging and, and trying to recruit talent? Um, what make businesses stand out is their values and commitments to the people they're bringing on board, I think. Yeah. Um, when you're looking from the agency side, so, you know, put before Infinity Works, when I was working in tech recruitment and, and you obviously you work with so many different businesses, some people um, 
have different ways of, of appealing to different areas of talent. Yeah. And the people that have this massive inclusive environment for everyone yeah. and the core values of the first thing they speak about, yeah. not your salary, not yeah. your benefits, not yeah. not stuff like that. It's about the values of the business, you know, the, 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 the enjoyment you're going to have, the challenge you're going to have, there's problems you're going to solve. Yeah. Things like that for me appeal to such a wide spectrum of people and it makes bringing talent on board a whole lot easier yeah. because you're not selling them a salary because, you know, people can move up this career ladder really quick in tech. Of course. And salaries becomes a bit of a thing of the, you know, it's just a commodity really. Yeah, you can just yeah. move up, move up. Yeah. But are you going to enjoy it whilst yeah. you're doing it? Yeah. It's super important. Yeah, so yeah. Um, providing that good workspace and that challenging workspace is yeah. what I think is the number one for attracting good yeah. talent. I'd agree with you. I think, look, Buying into this kind of purpose of a business and the vision, the values is is so key. When we speak to candidates, exactly, you know, yeah. for those that want to stay long term, getting them in on that journey is so important. Yes. So, so yeah, that's really good to see. Talking about journeys, um, uh, I, I came across an interesting blog on doing my research. So I wanted to discuss some personal challenges, if that's okay, that I pulled out from from this blog because I think that a lot of it will resonate with our listeners um but but i wanted you to talk really about your experiences around imposter syndrome and also dealing with the challenges around anxiety yeah sure so i mean imposter syndrome something i went to a, an event um a women in tech event um i seen a guy speak there who runs a digital agency um first time i'd seen um, a guy speak about imposter syndrome i think what what women in tech in particular do at the moment is amazing yeah. they're so open yeah they're sharing all their um, troubles that they've had, the problems they've had, the struggles and, and how they've overcome them. Yeah. And I think that's, we, we men at the moment are really closed in and we really need to look at what they're doing because they're, they're leading the way with this. Of course. Um, and I've seen um, this, this, this chap come in and he did a talk and he talked about, he's a lad from Manchester, talked about the, the football life, the pub life, the, the closing in, the how you need to keep a hard shell. And he talked about battling imposter syndrome and he talked about the stresses and not talking and not being able to talk to his friends about it because he thought he was going to get sort of, you Ripped know, off the lads yeah, type of thing. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and, and, and that for me resonated massively. So when I got a chance to put down this blog, I thought, I looked at my life and thought, I've been through so many of them situations. Yeah. I've, I've dealt with imposter syndrome so many times. Um, so let's speak about it yeah, because yeah. if we more and more, like, I got a really good response to that blog. And there's a lot of people on there commenting saying, look, really enjoyed you read. I can resonate so much with what you're talking about. Yeah. And if just putting all them words down on paper can change a handful of people's perspectives on it yeah. and get them to talk more, yeah. it's a ripple effect. Yeah. The more people talk about it, the more people that, that, that they're open about it, yeah. the more men start to open up. And I think you become a better person when you open up. 100%. Yeah, completely you can't agree. keep everything in like, you completely know, agree. Yeah. And, society's and changed. And like it? you say, it's, you know, it's... Um, certainly it's getting better but from a man's point of view there is still that stigma of maybe not wanting to talk about things so so it's really important and, and i suppose how did you how did you deal with it so you, you know you, you had that imposter syndrome you felt you weren't good enough we've probably all been there at one time in our life and but the anxiety arose off the back of that so yeah. so what, what did you do to kind of break that cycle or or deal with that i suppose i, I had to sort of make a, a judgment i had one really bad anxiety attack right really bad on um St. Anne's Square in Manchester okay. where I actually thought I was going to die like, I went down on the big wood uh, on the concrete benches and I I thought I people around me thinking like I, I thought I was actually going to die it was oh. re really really bad and that for me was like 
this needs to stop and yeah, it needs yeah. to change. Yeah. Like you need to talk to people about this. So friends, family, um, with my first point of call, um, and talk to them about it. I think a massive change for me, and I know it's it's going to sound a bit uh, cliche, was that I found Katie, who yeah. obviously my partner now. Yeah. Um, and at the time, you know, I I, be, I, be, I moved out when I was 17. I'd always lived with lads. I'd always lived a sort of party lifestyle. I worked hard at the time in recruitment, yeah, yeah, yeah. long hours yeah. at work, long hours after. Yeah, yeah. And, it, and the pressure of being the best in a really sales-driven environment, it can get on top of you. So kids toll, yeah. So moving in with Katie and Luca, her little boy, was yeah. just like, a revelation for me and mm-hmm. and and obviously having that f- small family base around you means you can open up more about your emotions and then i've started to change as a person so now i try and help my friends through stuff like that yeah. when, when i know they're probably keeping things in and struggling yeah you know it's not at one point when i was magalove time i had a big ego and now it's gone right. you no know, because you don't need an ego you, yeah, yeah. you don't need an ego you need to be confident in what you can do and deliver but having a um a big ego is no good for anyone no. so you know being able to take a step back evaluate where I'm at yeah, and then start to make positive changes from there yeah. was how I overcame imposter syndrome and anxiety. Brilliant. No more flamboyant suits. No, I've still got it <laughs> Not even for the Christmas Sell, I'm party. I'm selling it if you want. <laughs> <laughs> um, so look, I think when we've spoken previously and, and I touched on it in the introduction is one of the game changers for your recruitment career is probably fair to say was the event scene. So both originally getting involved in different events and and obviously putting together DevOps Battle Royale, which I know is your baby that you, you're still quite passionate about. So for our listeners who haven't been or heard about it, can you expand on and how that came about? Yeah, sure. Brilliant. So um, the DevOps Battle Royale, I went to a lot of events um, just when I started in tech. Um, it's a, you know how it is. It's a bit of a, it was Kekai from engineering before. So I went from meetings in porter cabins in the middle of muddy fields <laughs> to, um, to, you know, to coming into these you know, pretty amazing tech offices where there's some pretty switched on people. And you know, what some of the things I did DevOps and cloud, that was my specialism. And it was a minefield. Like I just didn't know what I was talking about. Um, so I started to read books, blogs and go to events. Yeah. Um, when you go to events as a recruiter, in Manchester, especially some of the um, smaller or even the bigger techie events, people sort of are in cliques. They yeah. come with the people that they know already, yeah, or yeah. it's quite a small scene as much as a big scene at the moment. It's quite it's quite a community-driven scene yeah. where everyone knows each other. Um, There's a challenge as a recruiter, isn't there, fitting into that? Massively. You know, you, you, you have a conversation with someone and, and they find out that you're a recruiter and straight away this guard goes up. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it makes it really hard to break down and learn from someone. Now, not yeah. everyone's like that. There's yeah. some really, really ace people out there yeah. who, who talk to me and help me along. But what I wanted to do was break those barriers down. So it's not just being a recruiter. So I, if I go to a meetup now, you look around, you see the people that I was. So I was I was sat at the back of the back, back, back learning, you know, yeah. trying to break into a conversation over pizza. Of course. Struggling. Yeah. Imposter syndrome once yeah, again, yeah. kicking yeah. in. I'm not supposed to be here, but you know, you want to be there. Oh. So you just keep on going, keep on going. So the DevOps Battle Royale was meant to break that down. Yeah. So the idea behind it was, first of all, to make a fun um, sort of competition between yeah. people, which is, you know, you've got um, three companies speaking about three different technologies. Each company's using that at their, at their business. Yeah. So let's just say, for example, Broad One, AWS, Azure, Google Cloud. Yeah. So three people talk about three sections of that. Um, they compare it to what the projects they're using and they have a bit of a fun battle. With the, yeah. Now the most important part is what follows that. So the next part is we break off into workshops. Yeah. On the way in, everyone would have got stickers. Yeah. So usually if four people come from one business, they'd be using AWS. Yeah. Now we don't want all them AWS people to sit together. So you. you try and break them up into workshops. Yeah. And it's a bit forced networking, basically. Right. Yeah, you get forced to go into a, new, a group with new people 
but you come out of it having a 30 minute chat with them people about stuff you're passionate about. Yeah. Before you know it, when it comes to networking at the end, yeah. you're more likely to stick with them people and introduce them to your mates. Yeah, and then yeah. it sort of becomes a really good networking space. Yeah. Um, and it's just worked really well. Like we, we, we planned to do the first one and the first one was a bit of a, uh, you know, like any first meet, like, is anyone going to come here? Yeah. I'm like, oh my God. It's like your birthday party, isn't it? Yeah. Thinking who's going to turn up. Yeah, sat there with my hat on that. I'm a blower. Yeah, it was, uh, it was, um, yeah. But yeah. from there it stemmed and, and we got really good feedback. Um, people have brought people that they know. New people come along all the time. We've gone from 35 to having sort of an average between 70 and 90. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's good. We're going to London this year. Um, there's actually talks about going to Berlin with it as well. Amazing. Wow. So there's lots on the cards for Delaware yeah, yeah. House. So exciting times. Yeah, Brilliant. It did change my career. Yeah. I suppose, would you recommend that then from businesses, tech businesses, for example, that are looking to build their own brand? Would you see events as a viable way for them to get their, their name out and build their credibility? Massively. I, I, I think you can put so much marketing around it, first of all. Yeah. Um, you obviously giving something back to the community. You're, you, you're helping people meet each other. Yeah. You're also helping people learn yeah. from different professionals or leaders or, or, or you don't have to be leaders. You, know, you can have some really good engineers who are, who are, who are, who are comfortable speaking. And I think that's the, la the, the, the last point on that is you're helping people with public speaking. Right, I think yeah, it's yeah. unbelievably key yes. to making a big, uh, a big sort of progression in your tech career. Awesome. If you can invite people in who've, it, we've had people who've not spoke before. Right. One, one, one guy came in who's not spoke at any event before and he won the battle royale against right. two really senior people. Yeah. Um, he's now with us at, in, at Infinity Works wow. actually. Okay. Um, but yeah, you know, you help people do that. And, and one of the things that we do do at the battle royale as well, which I didn't mention was after the workshops, we encourage people to do a two minute talk back to the work, back to the community from right. the workshop. Presenting we, back there. Yeah, just for two minutes, just from Great. a list. And we encourage people who've not done public speaking before to do it. Yeah get up and have a two minute sort of chance because it's just that once you break down that all them eyes looking at you yeah. and you start to talk, you get a bit more comfortable with it. It's just that initial like rabbit in the headlights yeah, sort yeah, of yeah. thing. But yeah, so doing that's really good. So encouraging, I think everyone should try and get out and uh, and go to, if you're not, if you're not comfortable speaking, go and you know, meet people at these events because there's some really interesting characters out there. Really good advice, Toby. Really good advice. Well, one of the things that we, we picked up on and talked about in the past that I just wanted to pull through really was the wider challenges around STEM. Yeah. Um, and in particular, getting people into the STEM sectors yeah. via schooling yeah. at an earlier age. So I know that's something you're particularly passionate about and probably feeds into maybe you not having that advice in your, in your career in school. Yeah. What, what, what would you, you know, what would you say about that? What's your findings around that so far? It's unbelievably important for our career. We've got a huge skills shortage, as we know, and it's just going to get bigger. Yeah. Um, you know, I think there's a stat out there that in the next 20 years, 60% of our jobs aren't even around what are going to be there in the next 20 years. Like they're not even thought of yet. Yeah. Most of them are going to be in tech. Right. If we don't start to appeal to the younger generation to get into tech, then we're going to struggle yeah. because we're going to need all these systems sort of building, supporting, and, and there's all this potential for us to unlock. Um, so appealing to children. I mean, when I did IT at school, Excel spreadsheets, that's all it was. And, then, and we didn't used to do it. We used to go on Minesweeper or that like, Jurassic Park game. We used to get the little eggs yeah. and turn it off and the teacher came over. That's what it was. So that, you know, these yeah. days it's changing now. Yeah. So we're actually partnering with a company called The Learning Partnership. Right. Um, the Learning Partnership, what they do is, um, so we sponsored a school near me actually. Couldn't do my old school, Glossopdales, but we did the closest one, Longendale. Yeah. We pay um, a, a certain amount of money. We sponsored The Learning Partnership to go and do a full day with a, a full year. Nice. So year seven. 
what they do, they go and build rocket cars right. and they program them with Raspberry Pis and code it to race it and they nice. race each other. Brilliant. And that's a full day. And, and, and there's a stat out there that if you introduce someone's technology before they pick the GCSEs, they're more likely to follow that path oh, as a career. Because right. obviously by the time you pick your GCSEs and then you go to college, so if you've not got introduced to tech already, it's hard to change. Yeah, it becomes it? a limited thing. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, and we're also doing a, a, a workshop in, um, in Manchester in uh, next year, actually in February, where we're teaching um, two people from different tech businesses. So there's going to be about 10 of us in total. Um, we're teaching them to build hovercrafts, right. which then what they do is teach the teachers of Manchester. So we're going to put on an event day where 20 teachers who want to learn how to teach their children how to code and build hovercrafts, come and learn from tech businesses in Manchester. Brilliant. So we're trying to make a change. Great. And look, I love the way you're keeping it fun. You know, yes. rocket ships, hovercrafts. If someone had come in my school doing that, then... then <laughs> I would have yeah. loved it. Yeah, yeah exactly. I would have loved it. Exactly. Look, lastly, um, I always like to try and finish off with a quote that's yeah. resonated with with um, someone. So I'm going to lead you somewhere, actually, because I pulled this quote out of your blog. Okay. And yeah. for me, it really, really kind of resonated. And the quote was, the grass isn't always greener until you plow the field and water the seed. Yes. So can you just expand on what that means to you and also what the listeners should take from that as a quote? Yeah, so um, obviously what you need to do, changing into any, stepping outside your comfort zone, going into something new, um, it's not always going to be um, an easy sort of journey. It's, yeah. You're not going to walk into this beautiful green field, do you know what I mean? You have to go and make that field flourish yourself. Um, so changing from one career to another or doing something new, you need to look at it, how you're going to make the best of that situation. And that's where the plow in the field things come from. So, you know, you've got to work hard, knuckle down, um, commit to what you're passionate about. And then once you're at a comfortable stage and you can start to sow the seed and, and, and watch it grow. And, and that's, uh, I think that's one of my, I own, love it, I think it's one of my own quotes. That. That's amazing. Yeah. Toby yeah. Wilman, yeah. 2019. You'll see, you'll see that on a meme next year. Yeah. <laughs> With your suit. Yeah, no. T-shirt. I've got some T-shirts <laughs> in my bag. <laughs> amazing, Toby. Yeah. Thank you very much for your time. Cool. It's been absolutely brilliant. Yeah, Thank you. loved it. Thank you very much. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the Let's Get Disruptive podcast. Please subscribe, rate and review. Also, if you'd like to attend our Let's Get Disruptive event on February the 5th in partnership with Infinity Works, register on Inventbrite or Meetup.